Welcome to our brand new series of podcasts, Behind the Scenes at Blenheim Palace. Each week, for the next six weeks, we're going to take a look at what we have to do to run Blenheim Palace, whether it's fixing an occasional bridge, keeping the clocks going, or this week, we're going to look at cleaning the collection. Join me, Antonia Keeney, in conversation with Carmen as she takes the concept of spring cleaning to a whole new level. It gives me great pleasure to welcome uh, my very good friend and colleague, Carmen Alvarez, who is our Deputy Collections Manager at Blenheim Palace. Carmen, welcome. Hello. Good afternoon, everyone. Now, Carmen, I know we're closed to the public at the moment, but that's not to say that you've been sitting at home um, twiddling your thumbs. So you've no. been very, very busy um, and you've been giving just about every item in the palace, a good old clean. Now, before we start looking at that in, um, in great detail, could you tell me a little bit about your role? What, what is it you do at Blenheim? What does a deputy collections manager do? Sure. Um, well, um, I assist the keeper of the palace and collection, Kate Ballinger, with the not easy task of looking after the conservation and uh, preservation of the collection, um, the palace, and we also look after the outside areas uh, for our guests, uh, guests uh, to, to enjoy uh, absolutely every part of Blenheim. Excellent, good. So no mean task given the size of the place. Absolutely, yeah. No, no. And how, how long have you been doing that job? How long have you? Well, I've been at Blenheim for nearly five years now. Uh, with Kate for nearly four years. Wow. And do you have a background in conservation or, you know, how? Um, yes. Uh, so I am an art historian. Um, I do have master degrees in, in uh, art history research as well and uh, in conservation. And I, I have done uh, different types of courses about conservation, yes. Okay, lovely. Now, we, we've, we've already got questions coming in but I'm going to ask people to just bide their time for a moment because it could well be that your questions are answered during the course of this and we'll, okay. we'll come back to questions at the end. But what I'd like to do first of all is to start just with a very very short film um, to show people to give them an idea of what it is you do so here we go. One of the most exciting periods here at Blender Palace is our deep clean program. It takes over eight weeks and starts right at the beginning of January. We bring the carpets from the rooms into the grey hall where we can leave it flat and resting for a couple of days while we clean it and inspect it for any kind of damage or insect attack. The silver centerpiece is one of the star objects of our collection. We dust it using different sizes of hair brushes, soft enough to avoid any scratch from top to bottom and making sure that we avoid any dust accumulation in corners. So that just gives a, a brief overview um, and it is really brief. So how how long would it normally take you to do what we know is what we call the deep clean venom? Um, these days, because obviously it's uh, a deep clean is something that many historic houses do uh, while uh, we are close to the public. 
um, and uh, it is normally is during the winter period or spring clean as well, how it's called. Um, for us, in the past, used to take two months and a half, nearly three months. Uh, now that we've been doing it, well, been open to the public, it takes around eight weeks. Okay. But um, deep clean, even if it's something that we we, we call uh, the, the, the deep clean that we do in January, we take the deep clean not just during this month. We, we do um, uh, cleaning, conservation cleaning throughout the year. And this is something very important uh, to us because when it comes to do a deep clean, uh, well, we open to the public. Um, we don't have that stress of having to move everything around, which still we do, but we have every, everything under control much better. And uh, we can monitor the objects throughout the year. And uh, when it comes to January, um, sometimes we don't have to touch absolutely everything. Okay, all right. So um, just to go back to, to the items, and, and you said you don't have to touch absolutely everything. I mean, roughly how many items do you... Look <laughs> hundreds. It's a, it's a very difficult to, to give you a number. Hundreds. Uh, I mean, if you think that we 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 do the conservation cleaning for absolutely everything from tapestry, carpets, desks, porcelain, everything you name it, we we do it. Uh, if you've been around uh, London Palace. Or if you have research of uh, Blenheim Palace from home, if you're far away, um, you, I'm sure you've seen pictures and amazing photographs of the the collections um, that we are lucky to have, and we which is which is approach and clean everything. <laughs> and how how many people um, are in your team, Carmen? How how many people do that? Well, this is this is actually a good question because uh, normally when I give the answer, people um, get very surprised. Uh, we are not a large team at all. We we are um, we have four uh, lovely ladies working with us. They do the conservation um, cleaning in the palace, uh, but we, they also look after the outside areas as well to make sure that we present high standards to our guests, which is what they deserve. Um, but uh, it's four plus myself and Kate, uh, but we also very lucky um, to work very close with our maintenance department and our, our guest services department as well. Um, we work together very well and when it comes to move a, a very heavy bronze statue or a desk, uh, we, we know how to work together to, to do it in a safe way. So we are very lucky to have a reduced but large team at the same time with all the departments. Okay, so this this picture, there, there you are, um, and you're standing on a, a very valuable carpet, um, <laughs> and it looks as though you've been moving items into the Great Hall, is that right? Yeah. Okay. This is what we normally do. We empty um, if every room, um, we take everything to the Great Hall, so all the the items that you said you see there, furniture, carpet, we inspect them because all the thing that we do and is part of the conservation cleaning is to monitor the pest uh, to avoid that we have any kind of infestations. It's the same with environmental monitoring, which we also supervise that. Uh, it's very important for the conservation of each item. So uh, what you see that we're doing here at the moment with, with the carpet, we hoovering, so we, we're using this um, heap hoover. But before we clean anything, we do the inspection. We, in case of the carpet, we check the edges, the corners, because it's normally when you can find carpet beetles or moths, 
Um, and the same with the with the chest that you you can see in the background. So we before cleaning anything, and this is important, and and any conservation cleaning is to know what you're going to clean and how to approach the cleaning of the of the object. So yeah. Okay. And what have you got on your feet, Carmen? Are those oh, my best <laughs> very 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 fashion boots, <laughs> shoe coverings. Yeah, we don't uh, we cannot cannot walk on an historical carpet with our shoes on, or even without them. I always rather uh, use the shoe shoe covers to make sure that we don't have any dirt, oils or anything on, on it. Okay, now the, the next slide is, is the couple of slides are two of my favourites. And um, in the very short film clip at the start, I saw you carrying in some candelabra. Um, uh -huh. And can you explain what's happening in this and picture what's going on here so this is the lovely hero unfortunately um, he's not within the team um, anymore he went back to Japan mm -hmm. but uh, what he's doing here is uh, cleaning uh, this is a crystal candelabra uh, we also have crystal chandeliers with uh, normally when we do this uh, often to the public people laugh this because um, it's very interesting and very delicate. So what we do here, what you see there is a hoxhead brush is where he's holding, which I have one here with me. Oh, um, we use this kind of animal brushes. Uh, this one is hox um, hair. Uh, we will use these for the gilt bronze, which is the body of the chandelier or candelabra in this case. And then for the crystal, we will use limb cloth, uh, limb free cloth, and um, distilled water to to wipe and dry immediately the the crystal to avoid any kind of marks. Um, but yeah, it takes a long time because we need to do one piece um, individually. So it takes it takes a long time. And Carmen, how many how many chandeliers and candelabra are there? Well, candelabra in the public site, um, mm. we have uh, six. So um, two of them, they are in, in, on tables, four of them on mantelpiece, and, and, uh, and six of them are in the Great Hall. Mm. Um, and then crystal can, uh, chandeliers, we have three, one of them, a uh, very big one in the private site. And then we have another three, um, uh, guild bronze candelabra. So yeah, we've got we've got a few. And tell me, I, I think um, most people watching, if I if I say to you, have you ever had a Del Boy moment with? And I know you're asked this all the time. We, we do, and it's one of the things that I love when we do um, chandelier cleaning while we open to the public. Because I think the ninety five percent of our guests, as they walk by, they look at us and they ask us that question. But tell me, do do you actually? bring the chandelier down to clean no, it. No, no, that's why it. I haven't had a bellboy moment, but I have had uh, very scary situations where a few beats fell off the chandelier. Ooh. And it's because in the past, um, if you think that these chandeliers have been cleaned for the last 300 years, so the way that they were cleaned uh, previous years is nothing to nothing compared to the way that we do things now, obviously. But in the past, not that, that long ago, they used to um, take every single part um, apart and then used to clean everything individually and put it back. But the problem here is you can see that uh, some 
pieces have been put back in the wrong place or even mm. in the wrong chandelier or candelabra. But I think this is part of the, the history of the object as well. Um, we don't do it like that. I think that these days is, is, is a job for a conservator, not for conservation cleaning. For us, mm -hmm. we monitor, we clean and we report if it needs uh, any kind of uh, um, repair. Okay, <laughs> you're excused. <laughs> so oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's a scary moment every time, they, especially when you do the high clean of them. Um, it's very scary, yeah, you don't know. Um, Carmen, when we spoke a, a couple of weeks ago, um, I believe this is one of the jobs that you were undertaking. So th this is a very old photograph um, of the 10th Duchess. So that's the grandmother of our present Duke. And you can see she has her hair up in a, a scarf. And um, this cabinet is in the China anteroom. Yeah. And it contains some some very beautiful porcelain. And in in her time, and she was Dutch, she died in 1961. Um, she was the only one that would do this cleaning because it's such valuable, such beautiful um, china. Um, and yet you were doing it recently. D does it make you nervous, or did it make uh, you nervous? Yes, it does. <laughs> So um, very often when I when people ask me what I do, what, what was my job, and, and I explain it, one of the first questions that everybody asks is, aren't you nervous when you handle, when you clean these objects? Uh, um, uh, normally I'm not, because in this kind of job, you need to be very confident when you, because otherwise you can cause more damage and you can actually damage the object. So you need to be very confident. But there is something that it makes me even dream about it or, or I would say have a nightmare about it and it's when it comes to open the cabinet oh more than cleaning the actual china or porcelain is opening the cabinets what it makes me nervous because you need to think that these cabinets for example they're 19th century cabinets and throughout the year the wood expands and contracts which means that when you need to open them and they were not made recently so the way to open them is not easy and no. um, sometimes we, you need to pull a little bit harder and harder than you think which m could make vibrations inside and some of these lovely pieces are in stands so it's what really makes me nervous um cleaning it not that much but it's the opening cabinets when where i i have dreams about it <laughs> <laughs> nightmares <laughs> nightmares yeah definitely nightmares Okay, so so let's let's leave the tenth Duchess where she is at the moment. Um, and again, one one of the one of the stories I heard, um, her palace administrator was a lovely gentleman called Archie Illingworth. And on the on you know when it was the time of year to do the china, the Duchess used to march down to where he used to live, which is where the Churchill exhibition is. Um, and knock on his apartment doors and say, Illingworth, we're going to do the China. <laughs> and, our, 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 and he used to hate it. Um, our next photograph, actually, is of said Archie Illingworth up a ladder cleaning um, the singer-sergeant of the Ninth Duke. And that's his wife, Anne, just at the bottom there, cleaning the chess set. Um, and the reason I've included this, really, is to introduce our next photograph and to just show people how things have changed, because there's Archie up a very long ladder, but here are you, and there you are in the Great Hall, about 67 yeah. feet up. Absolutely, yes. 
What do you do? Seeing these pictures always is what makes me feel um, very, very lucky of what what the team and and what we do because we are part of uh, this incredible history and this amazing place, and uh, we are doing things that just a few people. Um, have been able to do so that's why what we do we we do it proudly and we do it every every day is different which is what we love as well so what I'm doing here I'm um, this uh, bust of the first duke um, is a very early 18th century bust um, is about the the saloon door in the great hall what I'm doing here is using one of the hoxhoe brushes to clean the marble because it's, it's soft, but it's hard enough to be able to clean this kind of surface. Mm-hmm. And uh, as as we always do when we approach to clean any object, we do it, we inspect it, we know where the damage is, we, uh, we know how to and what to use to clean it. And then we approach it from the top to the bottom. So yeah, so this is what I'm doing here. And if, I'm not sure if you can see on my helmet, um, I'm wearing a GoPro camera, which right, is just right. something that we are um, trying to bring to everyone. So close-ups and um, just 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 see how we do things, um, which uh, I don't this hasn't never done before. So we're very happy to be able to share this. So stay tuned because this is coming <laughs> to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. And again, it's interesting to see that whereas the Duchess had a headscarf, you've got a hard hat. Um, yes. And you're wearing a mask. Is this... I'm wearing a mask, yeah, obviously for these days uh-huh. reasons, but also to avoid the dust, uh, uh, to inhale any, any dust, which obviously is not is not good for from the health point of view. No. So, no. so that's what we do. And gloves as well, depending where you're handling or you're cleaning, there are different types of gloves, same way that you have different types of um, brushes. So that one, the one that I'm using there, is the biggest one that we have, which mm-hmm. is the Hoxo one. But and it's angled, isn't it, as well? This one is an angle, exactly, yeah. which it helps a lot. If I need to, uh, we need to clean anything that is a little bit intricate, it's very, it's very good to use that. And for porcelain or gilded furniture or anything like that, we normally use very soft. This one is goat hair. This is a Japanese um, palette brush. So we use um, these um, for the very delicate objects. Okay. So um, just moving on, um, there we have you again. So lucky because, you know, once upon a time, it was rare to have a picture um, of someone doing this. But now mm. we've, we've really bought, built up a library and kind of appreciate how important it is. Um, and what's, A, what are you cleaning? And B, what are you using to clean there? Um, so talk us through this. Um, here I'm cleaning a beautiful uh, lion. Many people, when you say lion, they they ask, lion really? It is. <laughs> it's a it's a it's nineteenth century actually. It's it's catalogued as family death, but it's nineteenth century, and um, it's um, it's a beautiful um, piece that we have in the green drawing room. We normally, I normally like to take it apart, but not always because what you see, the body of the lion comes off the base. Um, But um, I'm going to be very honest. And the brush that I'm using there is not the right one. That was the picture moment. (laughs) Normally, I will use the one I've shown here, which is the very soft one. Uh, Because obviously, a porcelain is very delicate and anything too hard can scratch the surface. 
And then on the right, the right picture, you see that I'm using a lint free cloth, which is the base tool that we use for the day, daily cleaning in the palace for any hard surface. That's what we use as well. We could use this for, for porcelain in China. We, we do, but we need to be very, very careful and, and sure and, and know the, the, the piece to make sure that it's not chipped or anything lifting or scratches. So that was another um, picture moment because I wouldn't use the cloth around the teeth area or the relief on the, on the head. I would use it mainly on the lower section, what I know that it's not going to get caught or anything. I mean, when you're, I mean, a piece like this, so you've got your brush and you're dusting it. Yes. Do you use any kind of product on it? At all? No. No, okay. I'm not a big fan. Um, um, later on, um, I think it will be good to discuss a, a different aspect of what historic house conservation cleaning is. I right. think we're going to come to that. Yeah. But um, I'm not a big fan of using any kind of product. And um, because sometimes you build up uh, layers of that product and it can be worse than um, the actually trying to help the object could be worse than the, 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 that um, product and the living as it is um but when i do when we do as you can see here that i'm applying some wax to the leather top table it's been checked first with the conservators we just don't apply things because we think mm, okay well, i'm gonna choose this i'm gonna put no it's actually been that this piece this uh, piece of furniture has been monitored throughout the year and uh, with our lovely uh, furniture conservator, James Smith, when he brought it back from conservation, I checked with him and I said, how often can we apply wax? And then he said, well, it's just been done. So maybe checking 10 months time, six months mm -hmm. time, obviously all depends, which is something very important to highlight as well. All depends with the location of the item, because um the environmental conditions affect um, the the any item and also the materials that conforms conforms an item. So that is something that we we'll do the clean or the monitoring of the items. We need to take under consideration as well. Okay, Carmen, it just just occurs to me. So with so many items, and I mean you are so familiar with them all, and you know exactly where they are. What would you save in a fire? My sorry, my favorite. Yeah, what would you save? God forbid. Oh, what, fire. What, what would you, what would you, what's your favorite item? Well, well, what, what I, my favorite, I'm not sure if I will be able to cap it with me because it's a very large piece. Uh, I, I love, um, um, the, um, mirror that is in the green drone room, which is a, a means in the Mayhew mirror which um, if you go and, and show what it is at the moment, I just love it. It's just, um, there it's it. very, even if it's um, the 19th century mirror, Baroque style, very like Baroque style, it's just beautiful um, because it, when the light hits it, it, it seems that it moves uh, with all the concave and convex areas that it has and, and all the, the leaves. And it's just beautiful. It's just what you expect to see in a palace, yeah. that type of, of, of mirror. It's just beautiful. Yeah, my favourite. But sadly, you wouldn't be able to save that in a fire. Unfortunately not. I mean, Darn. you never know. <laughs> no, to be honest, it came uh, from, from conservation. 
uh, last year and uh, I wasn't there, but Kate Ballinger was there supervising the, the deinstall and reinstall yeah. of the, and, and it was, was a challenge, I think it was. Okay, so um, again, just going back to where we were with products. So um, normally you you wouldn't use product here. You know, you're you're putting on wax, but you're avoiding building up layers and layers and layers. But then in this photograph, I thought it was yeah. quite interesting. So what is, what's being used to clean the breastplate? There? Um, brasso. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Brando, however, again, um, yeah. when needed and if needed. Yeah. You can see, for example, something has already been um, um, sorted, actually. One of the reasons why I don't like to use products and on, on uh, historical items, if, if it's needed, obviously, yes, but if mm -hmm. not, you can see around the edges, there's a little bit of build-up of product. Around the, around the rivets. Yes, correct, yes. Yeah. So that is something that now has been sorted and it's been cleaned and and uh, everything is fine. But that that kind of mistakes um, could damage more the the object that actually do any good when you, as you pretend. Because when cleaning objects, no matter if you just dusting, if we take up to one side using any type of product, when you approach historical objects, just cleaning, just using a brush like this one you're already damaging because you're already touching. So, right. and there is a high risk of damaging it even more. So mm. that's why it's very important to know how often each item um, needs to be clean or if it needs to be clean, full stop. Right, so things like, um, like these, like the breastplates and things, are they done once a year or? When needed. When, when needed. needed, okay. Yeah, we right. haven't, we haven't um, touched these in a very long time um, uh, now, but we need it. Obviously, we dust them, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so because they are not touched, so they they hold and there there are so certain areas like, for example, if whoever has been to Blenheim or knows Blenheim or has uh, read about it, uh, when the key hole for when we open the the front door of the palace, um, let me see if I can find system, it. I'm not sure if you can show them. So that that is touched every day by the staff who opens the, the, the front door of the palace to all of our guests. Yeah, you can you see can, that there. You can kind of see it in this area. We need to here. polish that more often, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Right. So moving on. Um, again, this is a, a very old photograph of <laughs> cleaning towards the top of the Great Hall. And you can see these chaps, there's a, there's a kind of wooden tower, um, no hard hats, no masks, nothing of the sort. But I think such a contrast to this, which I think is just a fantastic um, photograph. So it not only showed you in all your kit, but it shows, shows how you're, you're getting up there. And I, I think you said, Carmen, you're not a great one for heights. Oh, it's been a journey, Antonia. It's been a journey. Um, I've never been. I've never been. When I started my training in conservation um, back in Spain, when I was at university, I, I discovered it wasn't wasn't my thing. But then at the same time, if you want you want to work in this field, you need to get used to it. Otherwise, you won't be able to do these type of amazing yeah. things. I mean, I'm up there 
and I got in front of me these Corinthian capitals that are carved by Gibbons and his team. Um, Gibbons was uh, working at Blenheim from 1709 to 1712, and they did they. They did all the amazing carvings that we have around the Great Hall outside as well, a few areas, private side. But those, just the opportunity of seeing this so close, I just feel lucky. So that's why I just get, I needed to get over my fear of heights. Otherwise, I wouldn't yes. be able to do this. But also, I think it's interesting, um, you know, seeing this photograph, and it's something I've never seen before. So Grinling Gibbons, as you quite rightly said, worked for a long time at Blenheim. But mm -hmm. he better known as a wood carver than, yes. as a, than as a stone. And if you look closely at the top of these, um, these Not carvings <laughs> here, it looks as though he ran out of steam and probably thought that no one would ever see them. No one will see us <laughs> on the top. Yeah, the guests will exactly. come to the front door and never look up, but never from above. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think it's rather, it's rather splendid that we're able to do this now and as you say how privileged for you to be to see them close up it's just incredible yeah, um, absolutely. which again kind of leads me on to a, a, a time a while ago when we had the window frames painted um, in the great hall and this is the scaffolding that was actually up inside and it's taken us right up to the very top right up to the ceiling um, and Carmen you were saying that you know you don't just clean items once a year. It's a continual progress, it's a program. Yeah. Um, and of course, as you clean things, you can see areas that need some attention. Um, and the other thing that you find is where- Signatures. Exactly. So we've got a T. Harwood plasterer from 1843. And you sent this through to me quite recently. Where, where was this found? A green drawing room. Ah, right, okay. And yeah, green drawing room. Did you 1888, a pair of gilders that work on the ceiling up there. Um, yeah. Because that's it's, it's very, it's very, I mean, it's very interesting. And again, it's, it's um, one of the things that I love about what we do is uh, we keep learning about Blenheim and its history constantly. Yeah. And um and discovering things like these is just, it's just amazing. I don't know. It's just, we feel very lucky. Yes, of course. Um, and again, you, you mentioned the difference between um, cleaning for a museum and a stately home. Um, what, what, in what this way? Is, this is, I think, is something very important to, to, from my point of view, very important to highlight and separate because normally when you talk about conservation, uh, conservation cleaning, or um, and you kind of think more from a museum point of view. If we think that a, muse a museum is um, and the building has been adapted or built to the for the purpose of containing and looking after these, uh, the, the collection that they have inside. But an historic house, and I hope that we have colleagues from all the historic house that can support where I'm gonna say, <laughs> um, it's completely different. It's completely different. Just starting with um, mentioning that in the private side, we have a collection of silver, ceramic and porcelain, tables, everything that is still in use. 
Mm, Basically, are two hundred years old or three hundred years old or, or 50, 70, doesn't matter. But they are still in use. When the Duke, when His Grace has guests over, they use the most amazing silver. Silver that is two hundred years old, and they use it, and then they need to polish it and wash it, as, and and they will be reused and in another occasion. Things that we normally in the in public side or in a museum will be behind a glass. So this is something very important um, to, to, to highlight and make a difference there because it's incredible that these, from our historian point of view, I think it's incredible that these objects are still fulfilling their purpose. Yes. They're still in use. But also if we come to the public side, we have challenges that they're very difficult to deal with. The environmental monitoring is something very important from a conservation point of view and the same in the pest control. But environment is just very, very, uh, it's step one, basically, I would say. Um, humidity, temperature, everything can affect um, the collection. We have the door open constantly, the, the exit um, um, open as well. But when it comes to warm months, we need to open windows. Yeah. And um, we have, in the public side, we have one side of the palace, some problems with the, with the uh, humidity levels. So we have um, humidifiers installed in there. But if you go to the other side of the palace, is the opposite. We have very high level of humidity that we have dehumidifiers to control that problem. So is you walk through the palace and you discover a new thing that you need to deal with and throughout the year is the same. So yeah, it's this, very, very difficult. So the, this desk that we've got just here for example, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's being um, conserved or, or repaired or whatever in situ. Um, and again, I remember talking to the gentleman, Ludovic Potts, who does all the repairs for ball furniture. And yes. this type of furniture is very special, isn't it? It really is. It really is. It has, um, it has different layers of uh, materials. Um, if we mentioned earlier that the, env the environmental conditions and pest control is important and affects every object in a different way because every object is made with different materials. If you, we apply this just to a bull furniture piece, it has every kind of material inside different layers. Mm -hmm. So um, controlling the environment is very important uh, because um, it can contract, the wood contract, expand, and, and that can affect in a different way. And also the challenge with these pieces are the dust cementation, the dust accumulation, just to avoid that and look mm -hmm. after it because it's very difficult to dust, it's very difficult to clean. You cannot use just a cloth, you just cannot because you can get caught if something is lifting yes. up. Yeah. You can get caught and you can damage it more. So talking to, to Ludovic uh, Potts uh, when he brought back one, uh, one of the clocks um, a couple of years ago, uh, we asked him for some tips for approaching these items when it comes to cleaning them. And then... Oh, what is this? It's an air puffer. And honestly, it works really well. Um, we use also um, hot hair brushes. I'm going to show you this. I got everything here, by the way. <laughs> I hope the team doesn't tell <laughs> me off. We use these for the tops. Um, and then for the very intricate um, parts, we use these to get 
the excess of dust off. Oh, so we, right. we don't go in there and avoid any, any avoidable damage, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. So you mentioned um, you mentioned the clock case, and that brings me very neatly onto our, our next slide, because we, although you know, we have a fantastic team at Blenheim, or you have a fantastic team at Blenheim. Um, we do. You also have a, a wonderful team of people that you can call upon, um, and this is this is our lovely clock man. Um, and whereas you look after the case, don't you? Yes. Yeah. And John, yeah. John looks after the innards. And I can remember once talking to him um, and you mentioned dust and he said how, how awful the dust is for the clocks as well. Um, it's, it's a very difficult um, part of the, the role that we do is looking after the clocks. Um, they're very, very, very fragile. Um, we cannot um, clean or touch anything related to the mechanism that is John. John has been working with Blenheim for over 40 years. He knows every every um, clock that we, we have at Blenheim. So we're very lucky to have him. But yeah, we, we dust uh, um, the, the frame, I would say, of, of each clock. And we need to monitor uh, closely because we don't want to touch them too often either. Mm -hmm. um, we just need to make sure that we don't have any builds up of, um, of dust. And we use the same, um, the same um, tools that we use for the bull furniture. Right. Okay. So um, I've put this next slide in because this is one of my favourite pieces at Blenheim. Um, mm. I mean, it's it's three hundred years old. The it fabric is, yeah. was commissioned by the first Duchess, and it was intended as an insult to the Sun King, um, whose face you can see on the seat. But tell me, what you know? At what stage would you look at a piece of furniture like this and say? Okay, it's time to have it reupholstered. What, what? Well, um, we um, we wait as long as we can, basically, because obviously we don't like the word restoration. Because for us, restoring something is when the soul. This is an art historian talking, but the soul of the object is gone, basically, and you're just redoing it again. Yeah. Conserving is what we we do, and uh, especially especially the conservators that we have um, uh, with us, and we're very lucky to have. I believe you had um, a lovely chat with Emma Tilford yes, not long yes. ago. So she's the one that looks after our our carpets and textiles, and uh, basically what we're doing here. Many people they could say, well, that is faded. It's pretty much gone, but it's not. The velvet all in the front. There, you can see see it. So what um, she's done here, and and what we do um, with curtains, with everything across the palace, any fabric that could be in risk of, of fading or, or getting more damage, is we protect them. I'm not sure if you is you can see maybe at the back in the in the corners the netting yeah. that is protecting. Absolutely. The, the upholstery so that's what we do trying to hold that there as for as long as we can and then when it comes to cleaning these ones we need to be very careful obviously we use different ways to clean the frame and the legs um, mm -hmm. of of the chair but when we actually clean the fabric 
we use very, very slow sectioned and not very powerful uh, museum hoover to clean it. And we use, I got it here as well, goat hair oh, brushes nice. or the hoover as yeah. well. And then on the actual tube, we protect the, the tube uh, with netting or tights. We can use tights as well, just to um, limitate the section as well and avoid it if a piece comes off to avoid that it goes straight yeah, yeah. Into, the, yeah. into the hoover. So we use a very gentle cleaning and again, pest um, monitoring as well to make sure that we don't change it. And um, I'm not sure, we don't have a picture of it, but there were another two chairs that they were conserved by mm -hmm. Emma Tilford. And what we did in that case, what she did, she's amazing, I, I don't know how to do that, but um, is the threads, we had pretty much few threads left. Um, so she reupholstered that chair, but she kept the original threads underneath. So mm -hmm. nothing original has been removed. And that's Fantastic. another way to conserve the original yeah. part of and the soul of that chair. Absolutely. And so, because I, I, I also remember Ludovic Potts saying that they use things like um, fish glue. Um, and yes. he, was, he said that they don't do anything that can't be reversed. You know, that is rule number one. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if in English is a thing that you said, but um, basically when it comes to conserve or restore mm -hmm. for some people, an historical object, you first, you cannot imitate the original to pretend that nothing happened yeah. because that is what is called a, a false historic. Yeah. That's, that's, I might be a little bit lost in translation here, no, no, but, but that is basically lying. You are you are pretending that the, nothing happened, but actually it has happened. So that's why um, when a painting is is uh, there is an Italian term. There are different techniques, but if when a painting is um, um, conserved, um, they have different techniques to fill a gap, for example, or loss. And the most famous one is very fine lines. They called rigatino. Very, uh -huh. very fine lines that when you are contemplating the painting from certain distance, you see the painting like nothing happened to it. But when you actually see closely the painting, you can see and the painting is telling you where remains from yeah. the original times and what is is being added. Yeah, it's 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 far more honest, isn't it? It's a, it's well, a far, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Now. We're, we're going to move on again. Sorry, I, I'm conscious of time. Um, oh, yeah. No, 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 it's fine. We're fine. Um, we've mentioned um, pests. And yes. <laughs> here we have, um, it's a, a very, very old book by the Reverend Maybor, um, who was the chaplain to the fourth Duke. And he, he used to write guidebooks about Blenheim. And you can see here, and this kind of horizontal line. Um, mm. And can you tell us what caused it, Carmen? <laughs> mm. Well, there are different different um, bookworms, basically. Uh, they're the, um, the enemy to battle against. They're not even worms, are they? No, they're not. They're not. But basically, the larvae, they just, when they're inside, 
it's what you see that corridor that they make to come out and at the same time on the way out they eat everything that they find in the way but we also have believe it or not we found no long ago some carpet beetle larvae in some of the rooms because then they um they like um natural uh, animal um materials so obviously Uh the leather and everything that we have the the bonding of of the books they they just go everywhere but I think, and again, I hope my colleagues from all the historic houses can can support me here. Moths are definitely the the big enemy. They um they just it's just they're very difficult to battle. <laughs> to but we we keep an eye. It's part of our monitoring anyway. We got traps in in every room, and then we move everything when we can just to make sure that we don't have an infestation that we don't desire. Um, that is great. English Heritage and National Trust, uh, they are amazing uh, when you want to learn more about these sort of things. Um, this is, this, this uh, list is very helpful for us. Um, it's horrendous. It's like a uh, They really, it really is. It really is. Yes. Um, we use different, uh, two different products to to make sure that we don't have problems with moths in the public side and private side. We have Constraint, which is famously used by historic houses, museums, just to protect the the, the fabrics. But we also have um, Moth Shield, which use vaporizers. They are all natural made, so not chemicals in it. So um, we don't put them on the guest routes or anything like that. But we definitely um, use them in the in the private side, so it's not. Um, I mean, if if a, if a kid or a dog goes near it, it, it won't cause any damage. So, um, it's, but it's very effective, and we use that as well to spray mm-hmm. and to use the vaporizers against that. But they are very difficult to 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 eradicate. Just um, Carmen, if I were to say to you, freezer, what would you say? Oh yeah, I know what you're asking me that. Um, yes, um, it happens once since I've been working at Blenheim. I think we 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 can control everything pretty well when it comes to pest infestations. But yes, when you have a lot of uh, pest infestation, moths or anything, a good good way to eradicate that infestation, especially for the for the for the worms for the larvae, is just um, taking the the, the um cloth or anything you have and just put it in the freezer then it needs to be at least a minus 18 degree right so that will keep any, it all any old free- at least three weeks any old freezer for three weeks any old freezer for three weeks okay yeah. and <laughs> one of our uh, one of our listeners natalie has said are spiders an issue as well um, spiders are not an issue and uh, they're not a problem they're a problem for me because i'm terrified of them but for the collection they are not in fact they cannot help to to eat um undesired insects but they are not an issue um they're huge though they're huge okay so um we've mentioned or, or you have mentioned how important it is to keep everything clean as you know throughout the year really and how it helps you to pick up various things um, and this this is a picture as you know of the fantastic Willis organ that dominates the end of the long library um, and I, I love this 
this picture. Um, but what I love most, or even more, is this picture of the inside of the organ. And this is looking down on it, and it, it has 2,300 pipes. Um, and we mentioned earlier having the odd Delboy moment. Can you tell us what happened when a member of staff fell into the organ? <laughs> Well, I'm not when, sure when if I can ask more than that, but yeah, that happened. That happened. I didn't see it though, but it, that that happened. Yeah, there's one of the the um, risks that we take when we do this kind of cleaning. Yeah. Uh, so we're very thankful for our health and safety team as well, because <laughs> they also supervise well how we do things. So we're very grateful as well. Um, but yeah, so that that happened unfortunately. But I might say that when it comes to clean the, the organ. Um, we cannot touch the inside of the pipes because that question, I get that question quite often as well, how we clean the organ and and, yeah. and we cannot touch the inside of the pipes. We leave that for the conservator and the specialist when it comes to that. Otherwise we can cause more damage than actually help the, the, the preservation of the of the organ. Uh, we do clean, say the frame, the outside, the attic that is behind it and at high levels. Um, we need to do a very important uh, monitor with pests, uh, mainly rodents, because That's obviously they love the um, the inside. I think it's called uh, there's leather or something inside the pipe as well. So they love that. So the, the, we need to do we need to be on top of um, of these as well around the organ. It's very important. We haven't had any problems so far, but it's also something to keep in mind as part of our role. Gosh, well, we're going to, just to um, finish, I, I just wanted to sh share this with you as well. Again, these are three tiny organ pipes um, that were actually stolen from Blenheim um, during the Second World War. Uh, they were stolen by one of the little boys that was evacuated to Blenheim with um, a public school. Um, and they, they were finally returned to us um, at the beginning of this century, and he had kept them for 70 odd years. So this, this always makes me smile because again, it would have been when they were cleaning or when they were having the organ service that they noticed these were missing. Now, I think um, you've answered loads of questions as, we, as we've gone along, Carmen. Um, please, any of you do ask further questions. And we have a question here waiting. Uh, that was posed right at the very beginning. And it's from Natalie Valentine. Um, and she says, Carmen, can, and she called you gorgeous. Um, she said, can you remind me why it's, so, <laughs> why it's so important to hoover the carpet behind the doors in the palace? And also how are the tapestries cleaned, please? So um, why is it important to hoover the carpet behind the doors in the palace? But, but does she mean the the red carpet that we have across um, the palace? Okay, she might mean that one. Okay, because that is very important. That's actually a really good question. Um, when our guests come into the palace, um, they walk, as you can see in this picture that you have right now on on the screen, they walk over these grass uh, courtyard, uh, grass not sorry, um, gravel gravel courtyard and they come into the palace and they bring dust with them. But not just because they're walking on this gravel floor, it's also because a human being, we leave dust behind as we walk. So that is something to consider as well when cleaning and looking after the collection um, and, and any place, not just here at Blenheim. So 
our guests walk on a red carpet that is throughout the palace all the way to the exit. And the amazing teams that we have, because this is something that we all have done, the guides are doing an amazing job these days, um, the guest services team, I think you as well, we all have hoovered those carpets. And it's very important because hoovering that will avoid pests coming to eat that dust and also the dust to expand across the room. So every day that carpet must be hoovered. Okay. And the second part of her question was, how are the tapestries cleaned? Well, um, this is kind of related to um, when we talk about using wax and things like that um, on on um, furniture that is checked first and this, uh, this question is raised to the conservator first. So the way that we, um, we clean the tapestries we at Blenheim, we just do a light hoovering on the edges mainly. And again, to inspect that we don't have any infestation. Um, we use um, um, hip hoovert and museum hoover that we can control the section as well. And we use the same technique that we use on tapestry, uh, sorry, on upholstery that we mentioned early on that chair. Um, to a professional conservation um, cleaning, um, the lovely Emma Tilfer, I think she mentioned it on her interview, they're taken to Brussels and they use amazing machines mm. and special soaps and everything to clean them. It's but like we, a car wash, isn't it? It That's is. It, it really is. It's quite yeah. amazing. Yeah, quite amazing. But we, we do a, a very light cleaning. And I must say that the front of uh, the tapestry has a rotation to be clean and the back has another rotation to be clean. So the front normally is between five and 10 years, the back every 15 and 20 years. But all depends um, how busy the room is, how much dust you get in this room. And uh, two, a year and a half ago, uh, when um, Emma came to the palace to talk about future projects, I walked with her through the rooms and I, I asked, this one, this one, this one. And she said, well, it's time to do the, leave that one. So we always are in good conversations with our conservatives. Excellent. Thank you. And um, we've had another question from uh, Charles Hyam. Uh, lovely to, to have Charles here as well. Um, and he said, his question is, visitors sometimes ask about the long curtains in the state rooms, possibly are Edwardian. They're protected with gauze. So like the chair you were talking about Netflix, earlier. Yes. Um, but some are beginning to show their age. At some point, one or more of them may need replacing. If so, would you attempt to match the design and pattern of the fabric? Um, that is not a question for me. That will be a question more for the keeper of the palace and collection, Kate. Uh, she's on charge of making these kind of decisions. But from my point of view, I would say... Um, Yes and no. You need to think that the curtains that we currently have in the rooms are not that old as people think. Most of them are from the 50s. Oh, wow. The only thing is because they're silk uh, and um, they're very fine and delicate. They, they show in wear and tear more than uh, a hard, a stronger fabric will show. Um, but this is a little bit... Um, you can replace them and put them back and, and make them look as the current ones. That's absolutely fine. But at the same time, the reason why I live in house, the, the difference with a museum that we are a living house is 
the family still can redecorate the rooms as they they respecting the wall heritage site, obviously, but it's still they things can be slightly changed to bring new new ways to see things and decorate the rooms. But again, that is not my decision. I hope you enjoyed episode one of Behind the Scenes at Blenheim Palace. I think I may need a sit down after listening to Carmen describe exactly what's involved in keeping the collection in tip-top condition. If you'd like to become a regular listener, then do subscribe to this podcast so that you get a regular reminder and feel free to share this episode with your friends. At this time next week, I'll be talking to our Ops Director, Heather Carter, about exactly what it takes to run a great estate. I do hope you'll join us.